I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. This is an ABC News special report. Good afternoon. I'm George Stephanopoulos in New York. We're interrupting your program because there have been two explosions today at the Boston Marathon. Two explosions near the finish line just a short while ago. You see the scene right there. Explosions right by the finish line. The winners had passed several hours before. Some strikers were coming by, but several people on the scene are said to be injured. One man whose bib number was 17528, Frank DeRyder of North Carolina, said there are a lot of people down. You see the commotion right there in Boston today. Of course, the Boston Marathon, one of the premier sporting events in the country. Two white explosions near the finish line in short sequence. Today, we are enlisting the public's help to identify the two suspects. Shortly after 5 p.m. yesterday, FBI Special Agent in Charge Richard Delorier releases these images of the two men they believe are suspects behind the Boston Marathon bombings. We have two new pictures that we want to show you. Just hours later, a second photo is circulated online of suspect number two walking away from the bombings. A little after 10 p.m., two men are spotted at a convenience store in Cambridge near the campus of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. We must have heard about 60 gunshots. Chief DeVoe is advising all Watertown East End residents to remain in their home. As we are on the air at 11 p.m., we learn a 26-year-old police officer from MIT has been shot and killed. Moments later, Boston police begin a high-speed chase for two males after receiving reports of an armed carjacking. According to authorities, the carjacking suspects begin throwing explosives from the car as police chase them from Cambridge to Watertown. There were dozens of police officers with their guns drawn. Um, we could hear them yelling. At approximately 1.23 a.m., residents in Watertown are jolted awake as dozens of police exchange gunfire with the two suspects. And then, like, boom, boom, like three big bangs. A fierce firefight with explosions follows, leading to the death of one of the men, later identified as suspect number one. Suspect number two escapes on foot. By 3.45 in the morning, Massachusetts State Police warn Watertown residents to stay in their homes, lock their doors, as police begin searching door to door. A little after 5 a.m. as day breaks, the city of Boston begins moving into a lockdown, suspending mass transit and asking businesses to remain closed. It is important that folks remain indoors, keep the doors locked, and not open the door. At 8.14 a.m., authorities identify the suspects as brothers, 26-year-old Tamerlan Sarnayev and 19-year-old Jahar Sarnayev. At 11.55 a.m., the city of Boston is at a standstill as relatives of the two suspected bombers begin to speak out. Turn yourself in and ask for forgiveness. At 126, Boston police tweet that 60% of the search is done. 
At 342, investigators find significant amounts of homemade explosives in Watertown. We are asking the public to remain vigilant. 6 p.m., the lockdown for the Boston area is lifted, meaning people can again leave their homes, even though a suspect remains at large. Was that guns? But less than an hour after the lockdown is lifted, shots are fired in Watertown. Police scramble to the scene. I, I just heard I, uh, it, what sounded like multiple assault rifle shots to me. 8.15 p.m., a person believed to be Jahar Tsarnaev is cornered on a boat in a yard in Watertown. Hundreds of law enforcement surround the suspected bomber. And at 8.45, police in Watertown, Massachusetts, break out in cheers, followed by crowds coming to the streets to celebrate. Courtesy of ABC and CNN, 10 years ago, the Boston bombing. Of course, you know how serious the Rosenberg family is about marathons. My wife, Danielle, my beautiful wife, has now completed 39 marathons, and she's one of less than 1% of marathon runners who have received the Abbott Award for completing these six majors, which include Berlin, London. She did Tokyo about a month ago. And, of course, in the United States, New York, Chicago, and Boston. She did Boston in 2017, four years after the bombings, which took place on April 13th, excuse me, April 15th of 2013. And that was a rough six days, man, rough six days. I was down in South Florida. But I've got a really good buddy when I started my sports TV career at College Sports Television, Chelsea Pierce, Brian Bedall. I hosted shows for baseball with Ron Darling, basketball with Seth Greenberg, Bob Valdano, and Matt Doherty, and football. Two guys in particular, Aaron Taylor, who went to Notre Dame and played alongside Brett Favre in Green Bay, and Scott Zolak, who went to Maryland, went on to become a starting quarterback with the Patriots, played in Miami. And Scott and I became really, really close friends. And Scott has gone on to become one of the best sports talk guys in the business. I'm out of it. He's still in it. In uh, Boston, Zolak and Bertrand can be heard from 10 to 2 on 985, the Sports Hub. It's a Beasley station, NBC in Boston. He was there then. He joins us now, 10 years later, my dear friend Scott Zolak. Zo, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. It's great to hear you. And uh, two guys that didn't have a face for TV, we actually did. They were just concerned <laughs> how good looking we were. Yeah. We ended up doing radio. But, um, I followed you around like crazy, and uh, congratulations again to your wife. And 
I mean this, man. I know Boston's 26.2 miles today. It is each and every year, obviously. But the the build, the, the wherewithal, the mental anguish and anxiety that goes into running a race like that, uh, kudos to those type of people that that, that, that that run it that run it for causes. And some people just run it for fun. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a hell of a day in Boston. It really is. It is. And, um, you know, going back to 10 years ago, we'll get to the whole Patriot Day in Boston with the marathon and the Red Sox game. But I remember the day after the bombings, I was in Miami at the time, and uh, you came on with me. And yep. I'll never forget how broken up you were of a little Marty Richard. Now, for folks that don't know, Martin Richard was the eight-year-old little boy, one of the three folks who died. There were two girls in their 20s who died. And his father described what happened to his son's body, changing yeah. color as he was dying. And so you're a tough guy, football player. You huh. cried with me the next morning about Marty. You said he was a big Boston Bruin fan and all the Bruins fans uh, were yelling and screaming his name the night before at the game. And tell yeah. us about him specifically. It, it, he was one of the ones that was up against the gate on Boylston Street where the first bomb went off. Um, he was there with his father, uh, his sister. I think that they, they were there to watch his mother run to finish the race. I think his sister um, was one of the 17 folks that lost a leg, too, by the way. Yeah, she was hurt badly. And the father knew she was hurt badly. The problem was. The father had to stay there and sit and stare at his son as he knew his son was dying and then had to make the decision to leave his son there because there was nothing he could do to pick his daughter up to carry her, I don't know how many blocks to a hospital. So to think like mentally, you know, okay, I just watched my son pass away (laughs) by some horrific event by, because of somebody of, of disgusting um, humanity, you know, did this. And now I got to go make sure my daughter doesn't lose her life. And he's been really good. Father has, and they, they've run races. Uh, the MRA Foundation. Uh, Martin Richard was his name. Uh, he was eight years old at the time. He just he just uh, made a peace sign at school. Uh, one thing you want to ask for in life, and he, his 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 vision was peace. Mm. And then uh, the next day, boom, this bomb goes off. Um, I remember doing. Well, I was doing sports radio still with another. <laughs> station up there at the time, Sid, and, you know, when you're doing these remote broadcasts, bars pay you to go. You know, you get beer money, 30000 Hey, we got to go do an event here at this bar. So we were doing our show from a bar on Lansdowne Street near where Fenway Park is and where part of the race runs through. You hear the first bomb went off. We had to get out of there. And, um, you know, you talk about somebody, you know, spreading by word of mouth, it becomes chaos. You know, I remember, because um, for me, I know that's not far from Boylston where the finish line is, but... Remember, I was out on the streets 9-11, and buildings yeah, were falling. Yeah, and I mean, nothing, nothing, yeah. will ever, nothing will ever compare to 9-11. But, like, this is what you start thinking in Boston. Like, oh, my God, this is our 9-11. And once that happened, you're like, where's the next one coming? And then, boom, the second one went off. Mm. And then it really went into hysteria because um, you're like, where else, where else are they? Where, where else are the bond next ones going to come off? And I remember it made me shutting down the city. You know, we all went through COVID. You know, COVID's one thing, whether you believe it should be shut down or not. This is a mandatory shutdown because you had two killers on the loose. And we had no clue where, where they were at. But to see and to look at the – there's a documentary on Netflix right now that is outstanding. And Ed Harris was the chief um, uh, of police at the time. And they thought – I think they thought they had some pictures of these guys that they wanted to put public. But the FBI wasn't sure yet to put put it out there on TV yet. But to look at the amount of pictures and street cameras that they went through 
I mean, you're, you have millions of people lining the streets of Boston. They were able to handpick these two guys out by telling their actions, by telling what they were wearing, when the bombs went off their facial expressions. While crowds were running one way, they were walking against it. It's amazing how they got these mm. guys. It really yeah. is. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Yeah, these two guys were, of course, uh, they wanted revenge for what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. They went back to Chechnya, Tamilin, the older brother at least. And uh, he uh, came back to the United States with a vision of death and destruction, and they completed it. But tell me, from the time of the bombing on Sunday, Zoe, it took a couple of days for them to make any real headway in the case. So you yeah. knew these bombs went off. You knew these guys were probably still in Boston. What were those days like until those crazy nights where those two brothers hit the streets? Well, once they had the one, and then they found their apartment where they were making them, and it was the pressure cooker bombs. They had all the ingredients right there. There was one more left on the loose, and that's where they sort of had 60%, as you heard in the video feed there when you came back from break, 60% of, of the city was covered. So we knew that, okay, they're not here. we got to keep condensing this thing. And they knew it was in Watertown. And what they ended up finding was, you know, as in New York or here in Boston, when you have a boat, you put your boat in your backyard and you shrink wrap it. The problem with the white shrink wrap, he cut it, and you, there, were, there was blood. You could see blood. One of the neighbors said, there's blood on your shrink wrap of your boat. Mm. And there was a little slit where he got in through, and he was hiding inside that boat, and that's when they got him. And, man, when he got him, this city went nuts. It, not, not from a celebratory standpoint, but it's a oh, sense of relief. And then the Bruins were in the midst of a playoff run. Uh, they were the first sports team back two days after that. It was a Wednesday night, I think. And um, I remember being at that game. And the entire – the entire – arena the entire td garden sang the national anthem um and they put up the the three deceased people on the on the video board uh to that phillips phillips song home and it wasn't a dry eye to place oh my god and they went out and played yeah. hockey in the shootout yeah. a loss in a shootout i think three two and then i think the real culminating moment from a sports um perspective to bring this all home we all have our sports heroes. You guys had Derek Jeter. <laughs> I know. I know no, we, no, we actually, no, no, we actually had Mike Piazza. After 9-11, when Mike Piazza hit that home run against Atlanta Braves, Scott Zolak, yeah. all of New York cried. And, and we had Piazza. You had David Ortiz. Yeah, David Ortiz. And then, so, we, they, wore, they, they change their uniforms every once in a while where it says Red Sox Boston. And he said, we're going to wear our white Boston uniforms. And he went out and took the mic. Uh, at the pitcher's mob before the game. And this was the first home game after that. I think they were on a series out in Cleveland that they ended up winning. But he came back, took the mic, and 40 seconds he spoke, and he said they're not going to take back. They will never take our effing freedom. This yeah. is our city. Yeah. And he said it. The SEC had no problem. They let it run on TV. <laughs> you know, if one guy's not going to get <laughs> fined, it's going to be David Ortiz. Right. We remember hearing it on live TV, and I'm like, oh, my God, they let that go. And he said, yeah, it's David Ortiz. 
Wow. So that, you know, you know, they went on a stork run. You know, that six one seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 2013 team was crazy. They, they, that wasn't a team built for the World Series. But something was magical that year. Something really was. And um, as, as we all, you know, try to get through things in life, I, I think sports brings everybody together. You know, I, you remember 9-11, Patriots were playing the Jets that next week. Um, um, shoot, I remember it was, what, Yankees versus? Diamondbacks Diamond right? in the World Series. And everybody was rooting for the Yankees back then. And everybody hates the Yankees. Yeah. and. Again, the Met home run, Piazza against the Braves. And like you said, I mean, I was rooting for the Boston Red Sox that whole yeah. time during 2013. I do want to bring you, though, to uh, one other Boston sports figure who called it quits this year. Now, I yeah. believe your last year at the Patriots was 1998. Two years later in 2000, the Pats drafted some kid named Tom Brady out of Michigan. <laughs> I know you got to know Brady pretty well all those years. Yeah. He was doing sports in Boston. He was playing yeah. quarterback. The fact that's over now is that uh, is that rough up there in Boston. How do the fans feel about Brady? It's rough, man. Um, I've been lucky enough to been doing the team broadcast. I'm a color voice for oh god, the last 13 years. So Tom played 20 here, and of the 20 years, 13 times out of those 20 years, we were in the title game playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> so almost at a 55 percent clip, we had a shot to go to the Super Bowl. And I was lucky enough to call five of them. Um, don't know if we'll ever get back to one again. But uh, I got a couple rings because of that guy. And uh, he's Jordan, man. He's Kobe. Yeah. So when he wa- when, when, when these three people walk down the street in Boston, who do people want to uh, bump into more? Tom Brady, Ben Affleck, or Mark Wahlberg? You know, it's funny. I want to jokingly say Wahlberg because I do like all – I dig all three dudes. It's Brady. It's Brady by, by – It is, Brady huh? By a mile. Really, by a mile. Jeez. Yeah, yeah by a mile. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to go Bobby Orr. Or, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, buddy. Bobby Orr ain't going to be walking down the street anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, buddy. Anytime. Hey, listen, enjoy your, uh, your trip down there in Florida. Thank you for taking time out this morning. It's great to catch up with you. You know I love you. And thank I you for you, sharing Peter. that. I'm so glad you're back in New York, kicking ass there in New York. That's the city where you where Sid belongs. He don't belong down in Miami. Miami's for visiting. So. <laughs> you're so right, man. Now, it's good to be back here. The Northeast, Scott Zolak kicking ass in Boston. Sid Rosenberg kicking ass in New York City. That's the way it's supposed to be. With that said, enjoy your vacation in Florida. <laughs> Love you, Sid. All the best. You Love you, too, so thank you. There he is, former Patriot quarterback, and now a big-time sports talk show star, 10-2 on 985, the Sports Hub, Beasley Station in Boston, Scott Zolak, Zolak and Bertrand in Boston. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.